Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles podcast, the podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Hey, 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 everybody. We are so excited to be back with y'all in the year 2024. Uh, we have our first official Where Are They Now for 2024. But before we kick into that, let me bring in that always late to the podcast, that offensive coordinator slash softball coach slash track and field slash cafeteria lady, Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? They hadn't got me in the cafeteria yet, Chuck. Give it time, man. Give it time. Give it time. Maybe. Maybe. How you doing, man? I am good, man. I am good. I'm excited about our guest tonight. Dude, it's coming down a dang flood it is. It's the, right now. It's cold, too, and I don't get cold. <laughs> I guess I'm it getting is. old. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Chuck, you mentioned our guest tonight, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for tonight we're going to have a good time. We got a great guest. I don't really know how the connection was that you knew this person to get him on or however this happened. I'm interested to hear that from you, but Chuck, uh, listeners, Chuck came to us during Christmas break and we were talking about how we need to get the, uh, get the show back up and going strong and stuff and said he had Jake Sandlin available to come on the show. And I mean, Peyton and I were both like, uh, yeah, ask you to get him on. Absolutely. And, I don't I don't know how that came to be, but I'm I'm excited to have Jake on the show tonight. So I think Instagram. I think I faced uh Instagram messaged him or something and he finally got back to me. But well, uh worked we'll, out we'll, good. Well, I, we'll confirm it when we bring him on. Well let's bring him in and we'll we'll ask that question. What's up, Jake? What's going on, fellas? It's how good are to be you, man? Seen, heard all that and and um really excited to be a part of this. I'm excited you're here, man. It, it was Instagram, but it didn't I like message you on Instagram or something and say, "Hey, come on our show." It was, um, yeah. It was right after I had got hired here at Georgia <laughs> Southern, and um, phones blowing up, people shooting me all kinds of stuff, um, congratulating me on the job, and next yeah. thing you know, I get a message from Chuck. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not familiar with Chuck, I'm I'm and uh, Chuck he told me, you know, he had the show. And stuff like that. It's like, you know, I don't know if I love anything more than I love Southern Miss baseball. So, um, <laughs> you know, probably not even the air that in my lungs. So, um, I was like, heck yeah, absolutely. Be honored to do it. And here we are. There we are. Listeners, Good. we're robbing you right now without the cameras, but Jake currently is in his coach's office with a major league t shirt on, and it <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> it's got the wild thing t-shirt on wow i like thing. it it's a it's, it's a go-to it's an absolute go-to when we get around talking about superstitions man <laughs> yeah. i wasn't huge on it as a player <laughs> but when i left that place at yeah. Earth, I, I carried a couple with me and this t-shirt's part of it man that's hilarious i was about to ask if you had a joe boo doll I did Lane not. Did. You know, I didn't have a Jobu doll as great as the movie was. Um, I didn't try to mimic it, and I didn't throw as hard as uh, as Vaughn did. All right, and so I couldn't quite rock the wild thing. Um, but a uh, big fan of the movie, and when I saw the shirt, I had to have it. And, uh, 
No doubt, man. No doubt. Uh, well, uh, Lane, do we just want to dive into questions? Because uh, I know uh, there's some, we were kind of talking before you got on, and there's some, some funny stories he's got for us, so I'm anxious to hear them. He's lagging. He's lagging big time. Look at that face. Look at the Wi-Fi, baby. He's already lagging. We ain't got to the first question yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, listeners, I'm going to take a picture of this. Oh, man, it went away. <laughs> Brady, can you hear me? Yeah, it's cutting way there. out on my end. I might have Bless to go to my it, cell man. phone in a minute. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, the whole thing froze. <laughs> I have no clue what you just said. I said good, that man. you we always had yeah. good things about you, right? Yeah, that's just, right. You'll, you'll, when you listen to the show, you'll hear everything. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna kick us off with questions before Lane's internet goes out again. All right. Let me pull them up. Well, I mean, I don't even know why Lane, um, Jake. We ask these questions to everybody that comes on. Um, kind of tell us how you ended up at Southern Miss. Why Southern Miss, man? All right, so this, I could come up with a, a super great story and stuff like that, all, all stars aligned and stuff, but really, it was family. It was all about Nick, and um, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Nick, simply because it was Nick's idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, give him all the credit in the world for it. And, um, if we backtrack to March of 2015, uh, my junior season at Georgia College. Um, I had a feeling I had just come back from Alaska uh, in the Alaskan Baseball League, and I'd had two good years my freshman and sophomore season. I knew that I was on pace for a really good year. And uh, listening to all of my dad's uh, take on the Southern Miss program and watching some inner squads and stuff, you know, he told me, you, you were absolutely capable of playing there. And uh, we never really talked about it, but after a midweek game in March, uh, we were standing in the parking lot, and I was like, uh, yeah, you know, if I graduate on time, and my dad immediately stopped me, he goes, when you graduate on time? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay, excuse me, when I graduate on time. You know, I could do the uh, the grad transfer thing and maybe go play with Nick at Southern Miss. And my dad just looked at the ground, and he said, absolutely not, no. I was like, what? Uh, I think I hit a ball in the parking lot that day. I was like, <laughs> but you told me that I could play there. And he was like, yeah. it's not about that. And he said, everywhere um, that your brother has gone, he's always been Jake Sandlin's younger brother. And then when he started pitching in high school, that changed very quickly. He was Nick Sandlin. He was yeah. his own person. And he said, Nick chose Southern Miss. Southern Miss chose Nick. He's going to go and he's going to do this on his own. And we as a family have always finished what we started. Mm-hmm. And you're going to finish what you start here at Georgia College. And I just kind of threw my hands up and said, yep, okay, sounds like a plan. Cool. Yeah. Um, and that year, I was fortunate enough um, to finish off that good year with an All-American season. And we yeah. thought I was getting drafted. And when the draft was over and my name was not called, I think the only person that was more pissed off about it than me was actually my younger brother. <laughs> and uh, he followed the draft, saw that um, they may have needed a center fielder, and he actually made the phone call to them without me knowing. 
Yeah. And uh, I guess him and dad talked about it. I don't know. I've never really asked Nick. Yeah. But he made the phone call. And two days later, I'm talking with Chad Kaye on the phone. He's like, hey, do you want to do this? Wow. um, The answer was not yes. It was hell yes. (laughs) And um, the rest is history. But really, um, I I chose it. The only reason I would have left Georgia College, I love that place to death. As Mm. I left Southern Miss to go coach there for the next three years, I did it for Nick. And to this day, it's probably the single best decision of my entire life. That's awesome, man. Well, we, We are definitely glad you came, even though we only got you that one year for sure. Well, uh, yeah, I think I, I couldn't be any more grateful yeah. for the one year that I got to spend at Southern Miss because I got to learn why Southern Miss is special, and it's because yeah. of the people. it's people like y'all that care uh-huh. about this, like it's the air in y'all's lungs, and yeah. that's something that you can't fake. It's as real as it gets, and um, I grasped to that very quickly. I was like, this. You know, this yeah, this might be my field of dreams right here. No doubt, man. I love that. I love that. Uh well we may we may know the answer to this next question, but uh what was your favorite Southern Miss memory? It's uh it's an extension of, of two memories. Um you know, obviously when we beat Rice for the conference championship with that memorable play, um it was epic, you know, just for by itself. But for me personally, it was I kind of lost my cookies just a little bit because um, earlier in the fall we left a football game early. I hate admitting that that we left a football yeah. game early, but that was a that was a good year for Southern Miss. They were beating somebody like a drum, and we're sitting at Brewski's, and I'm sitting next to our manager, little Andrew Crow. And uh, we're eating a pizza, and the dude looks at me, and he just has this pissed-off-at-the-world look on his face, and he's shaking his head side to side. I said, Andrew, what's up, man? And he, he held up his ring finger, and he goes, I want a ring. I was like, what, what you talking about? He goes, I want a championship ring. And I said, well, you are sitting next to somebody that, in, in three years of college baseball, I've got two of them. Because we yeah. won the tournament twice uh, in three years at George College. And I said, you are talking to somebody that's got two of them. And he goes, yeah. well, good for you, but I don't have one. <laughs> so um, they're talking about what we want to do that night and stuff like that. And I actually had a pair of batting gloves and one of my bats in my Jeep. And I left the bar. And I jumped the fence at Pete Taylor Park. I cut oh, the lights wow. on the cage and I kind of cut some music on. And I was just sitting, I was just thinking about what he said. And instead of going straight back to the car when I was done, we had the tarp on home plate. And, and uh, I knew the conference tournament was going to be played right there. And uh, I actually sat on home plate and, and I just looked out at the field and, uh, I was so worked up about it. I actually had tears in my eyes. And uh, when I got done listening to the song that I was listening to, I just kind of had a smile. And I just walked and got off uh, into the car and drove off. And then when that play was done, I just lost it. I was like, it it happened just yeah. like I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, that's now, crazy, not in the same man. Grand fashion, <laughs> right? It, it so, say, did you expect two cutoffs in your <laughs> right. original vision? <laughs> it, uh, it did happen, and I was just like, "Man, that 
I actually, um, you know, going back to my apartment, I was like, man, if I die right now, wherever it is that I'm going to wind up, all I'm going to do is smile and say thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's hilarious. Those are those are some fond memories. There. It's cool to know the backstory to that, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, the next thing we like to ask is, what was your major? Okay, so I actually, as a grad student, I studied sport management there. And when I was at Georgia College, um, I got my degree in exercise science. And I was one of the few people that, like, I was gung-ho into strength conditioning. I want to be a strength coach. And um, because of the timeline of when I was going to transfer and had to get into school, I couldn't get into that program. The timeline had already passed. And Coach Kaye was like, we're going to get you into sport management. We got guys in there, you know, all over the place, a bunch of athletes do it. So I was like, all right, cool. And uh, it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it taught me a lot of the business aspects of sports that a lot of young coaches have to learn on the fly. And when I got to Georgia College, we're sitting there doing stuff for two years. I'm like, I literally took a class on this. And so yeah. uh, the sport management program – you know, at uh, Southern Miss, top notch. Good deal. Good deal. So you mentioned you went back to Georgia College and coached, but can you go ahead and let us know what are you up to now? All right, so I went back to Georgia College, coached for three years. Uh, I was actually coaching high school baseball with my best friend at Glen Academy High School in St. Simons, Georgia, and uh, just wrapped up our fourth year down there. And um, I get a phone call from two of you know my good friends that are the assistants here uh mary beth dennison is our pitching coach and uh sutton long is our assistant she works with outfielders and catchers and we were both at georgia college in that three-year span at the same time so we were very aware of um how we worked around things and how we learned and how we coached and they just parted ways with their hitting coach and they just called me up and said, do you want to do this? Are you interested in this? And again, the answer was not yes. It was hell <laughs> yes. Um, oh, yeah. Because I, you know, there, I, I love high school sports. I really do. But I've always wanted to be at this level. Uh, I've always wanted to be at the Division One level. And um, believe it or not, I haven't told my team. We just got back into class today, and uh, I haven't told my team this, but um, I took this from Mike McDaniel with the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, I got a card in my pocket, and, and it's got a number on it, and, and that number is 2,591, and that is the amount of days since I stepped off the field at Florida State and when my Division One playing career was over to when I got hired as a division one coach. And um, I never thought I'd make it back. It took me a long time to get back. I had to do it in another sport. And, but now that I'm back, it's just like, man, this, this it was totally worth it. So, and it actually makes, reminds me of the first lesson I learned in sports management. Dr. Doug Manning, we're in his class. I'm sitting next to, my favorite Southern Miss teammate, Mad Dog Cody Livingston, and he goes, the most important lesson you can learn in this master's program 
he, and he didn't say anything. He just started looking around. We're like, what's, what's, what's the dude going to say? And he goes, look around. And we all just kind of like look at each other, like super confused. He said, the people in this room right now are going to be your network. Uh, you better figure that out. And cause it does, it, it, it matters that you know what you know. But if nobody in this room knows that you know that, good luck. Uh, and, uh, sure enough, I'm sitting here as a division one softball coach, never coached a day of women's softball in my life because of two people that I know. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, Dr. Manning was, was really right. Cool. Yeah, he was right. It's about who you know. That's really cool, man. That's uh, pretty polarizing how he did it too, right? Like He had y'all all hooked waiting on what it was going to be, just pausing like that. Yeah, one of my so, favorite professors ever. The guy just yeah. elite on a lot of different levels of communication and uh, very thought-provoking. But, yeah. Thought provoking is that right there? You just start looking around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Well, uh, well, Jake, we posted on our social media accounts that you were coming. A lot of our listeners were excited that you were coming. We got a few people sending in some questions. Uh, I think Chuck's going to take it away and get us started with some listener questions here. I, I will. I'll kick it off. Our first question comes from Sir John. Uh, Cockroy, he said, "Do you did you ever pitch?" And then a follow up question: Did ever did Nick ever play the field? Okay, Nick was much better at playing the field than I was pitching. <laughs> All right, uh, I pitched like here and there, but truth of the matter is, I did not throw gas. All right, I actually learned how to throw a knuckleball, um, just to mess with folks, but. Uh, I could do it a little bit, but growing up and travel ball and stuff like that, um, my dad was our coach, and he's like, uh, we're playing to win these games, right? And, and I was like, yeah. He goes, you're going to go play shortstop. True dad fashion, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to win, you know, and that was the deal, and he always made me earn that because he, he would be the first person. If we had a better shortstop, it was not daddy ball. If we had anybody that was a resemblance of a better shortstop, my butt would have been playing second base. <laughs> All right. And uh, so, no, pitching didn't really last long uh, for me. It was more of like a gimmick. But I will say this, uh, Nick did play the field. And as an infielder, Nick was better than I ever dreamed about. No. <laughs> it, okay. so I'll, I'll, say, I'll say it like this without getting into the full lineage because I don't have the full answer. I guess 100% bona fide of where the Sandlin family name come. Pretty sure it came from Ireland. All right. Nick got all the Latino in our family. So my mom, everybody on her side of the family was born on the island of Puerto Rico. And uh, Nick got all the Latino. Had an absolute missile for an arm and was always just really slick. And uh, when we wouldn't go to the field, and we went to the field religiously as kids, uh, when we wouldn't go to the field, my dad would hit his ground balls out in the street in front of our house. And he's like, hey, man, like Puerto Rican dudes don't even have a glove. Or I don't really I care if it hits a rock. And um, hey, one day, and I was always very technical. Okay, I was always very technical, and I had to 
really learn and grasp all the information. And Nick would always work hard, but there are some things that he could just do that I couldn't. And so one day we're in the street. I'm like, Nick, you know, one day and he would chest down, butt up, just kind of flicks his glove out there, flips the ball in. I was like, Nick, you know, one day like a high school coach or something might want to see you do this, get in this position make this glove motion. And Nick goes, Hey man, let me ask you a question. Am I missing any of my balls? And I was just like, no. He goes, okay, then turn around and go get all yours. And right then is when I was like, this dude has got all the Puerto Rican, and I guess I just got all the pissed off white Irish guy. <laughs> That's awesome. But That's no, awesome. Nick did play the field. And um, the funny thing is Nick could wreck it at the plate too. Nick could swing it. And I actually made a comment to him years, years later. I said, Nick, you know, you because my thing was I was the hitter. And uh, I was like, Nick, like, you very easily could be as good a hitter as me, if not better. And he goes, yeah, but I actually like to have fun when I hit. And he would. <laughs> like, once a game, this dude would come out of his shoes and he'd spin himself into a top and his helmet would fall off. And somebody and the other team would be laughing. And like two pitches later, he absolutely destroys a double in the gap or something like that. And he's just like, uh, who's laughing now? And yeah. I was just kind of one of those things, man. Nick, Nick had the mentality that I wish I would have had as a player that I tried to, you know, kind of inspire uh, as a coach. But no, Nick was Nick was a better defensive player than I ever dreamed about being. <laughs> I got you. Don't sell yourself short, man. They call it crafty. Not slow. You, you weren't slow pitcher. You were just crafty, right? I guess so, man. It was like, <laughs> just don't hit it so hard that the players get out of the way. And so I had enough people behind me that had a chance. I played with some pretty good players growing yeah. up. But, uh, nah, it was just – it wasn't in the cards for me. Not everybody's meant yeah. to be an astronaut. There you go. There you go. Well, Tim sent in a question. He said uh, he wanted to dig a little bit into coming from Georgia to play at Southern Miss. He said, what's it like coming from Georgia to play at USM? Uh, do you remember, if so, walk us through your first at bat? So there's a few things there to unpack. Just basically, what was it like transferring to Southern Miss and then walk us through your first at bat? Well, in transferring to Southern Miss, um, it really – I think it can be best be summed up and there we go. Had to get my lights cut on again. Um, it can best be summed up by my summer ball coach. That summer, I was in Wisconsin Rapids. I was playing for Craig Noto, who's now the uh, the head coach at Wagner College. And uh, when he heard all this was going on, he's keeping it low key and stuff. And uh, when the transfer finally went through, he shook my hand and he said, congratulations, you're going to play for one of the finest baseball environments in the United States of America. And I said, man, with all due respect, you're from Brooklyn. What do you know about Hattiesburg, Mississippi? And he looked at me like into the depths of my soul. And he said, if you're around college baseball long enough, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, coming from the state of Georgia, play for a great high school program um, with a lot of tradition. And, you know, I'll steal this from Peter Gammons. I believe that per capita, 
the state of Georgia is the best high school baseball state in the United States of America. I really don't think it's close. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, I know our state can play. But I also know that I've heard nobody loves college baseball like the state of Mississippi. And, dude, I was part of the Southern Miss baseball team for like five minutes. I was like, these people live and breathe this. This is crazy. So I was just over the moon that I was at a place that really there was a different kind of love for it. And it's one of those things it's hard to put into words. You can't speak it. You feel it. And that's one of my things about Southern Miss. You feel a different way when you're at Pete Taylor Park. And uh, I felt that immediately. So as soon as I felt that, I was like, this is it right here. This is the big leagues for me. Um, in terms of my first at bat, and uh, it's actually, I, I loved my first at bat. And, you know, it took me a lot to get to that first at bat. And, but um, I actually hit a jam shot and a dying quail over the shortstop's <laughs> head. And my very first at bat, and, and to, I'm talking about like totally got sawed off, hit it about three <laughs> inches of tape. All right. And just yeah. gets over the shortstop set. And I get to first base, and Coach Kaye is like, hell yeah, man. One at bat and one hit, and you got your first D1 hit. And I look down and I just start laughing. And he's like, what's so funny? I said, dude, I just played three years of college baseball at Georgia College, and I did not get one of those hits in three years combined. <laughs> I was like, Som- something's good is going to come of this. And uh, so it it actually it couldn't have started any better because I got a hit on a hit and run. And um, as much as I remember the first hit, and it was the third hit that was like, okay, here it is. Because the night before, I was talking with my best friend, and he was like, you think you're going to hit – because the previous year, I hit 14. And uh, he goes, you think you're going to hit a homer on opening day? And I was like, I don't know, man. But I can see Coach Mitchum talking about our hitting coach at Georgia College because we always – we banged it. It's like hit ball <laughs> off the wall, hit ball over the wall. I said, I don't know, man. About third at bat, settle into the game. I see Coach Mitchum just point – out there to the center field fence, you know, let it ride. And sure enough, my third at bat and getting a 2 2 count, and a dude floats an 87 mile an hour heat beat <laughs> out stomach high down the middle. And sure enough, I hit off the center field flagpole. And I, again, I was like, dude, we talked about that last night. That just happened. <laughs> and so, but I, I got to about second base. I was like, no, this is it, man. We are here. We're we're doing this thing, and um, it's one of those. I don't I don't even know if I want to take my uniform off. I think I'm going to wear it to class on Monday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I'll tell you, man. What's funny is I went back and I looked at interviews that you had, like just prepping, getting ready to come to come on the show. We tonight. I watched a couple interviews because for some reason I distinctly remember. There was an interview they had with you, and you said something about, uh, I think we were down and we came back from a come-behind win, and you said something like, yeah, Southern Miss, you can, you might get the first lick in, but we're coming right back, and we're going to throw punches at you, and we're just going to keep coming. You said something, and I was trying to find that clip, 
and hear it just because I'm going to talk in a little bit about how competitive you were. But uh, I actually came across your interview after your first game and listened to it. And what was funny was the guy asked you, what was it like in your first game here at Southern Miss? And you said, well, it was my – I can't remember. what It was your fourth year, fifth year playing? You said you said it was my fifth first game, so I hope I was pretty good at it by now. <laughs> you know, it was just a funny little comment you had there. Yeah, um, I always enjoyed the interviews um, because I, I, I've experienced a lot in, in my baseball and now my softball journey very early on. But um, I had a, a real appreciation for small-time college athletics. I know what it's like to be the team that is out of sight, out of mind. You know, some of the best baseball players in the state of Mississippi – are playing at Delta State. All right, I'll, I'll I'll put those guys up against anybody. You know, they're a bunch of animals over there with an amazing tradition. And um, you know, I know what it's like to do an interview. You know, you get like one every year or something like that, or you get a couple, and you pull it up on YouTube, and it's got like you know. 28 views or something like that. And, and um, on that opening night and when they're interviewing players and stuff like that, and it's going on Twitter and it's going on the radio, I was like, wait a minute, you, you trying to tell me more than 28 people are about to listen to this right now? And so uh, I, I just always enjoyed it because I knew that was the only chance that I was going to get at it. And uh, that was it. I was there. I, I was D1. I was – in this amazing environment with these amazing fans, I was getting one shot at this and every single day was bound to be my last. So I was like, you know what? We're going to let this thing rip a little bit and, and um, we're going to make the most of this and I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. And uh, we were very fortunate enough. Munns, <laughs> dude, Munns is Top notch, man. I love that dude. And he loves Southern Miss baseball. So it was so easy to talk to him. And um, there was a general excitement about our program and about what we had there and what's still there now. Getting to talk to guys like y'all, this is as cool as anything I've ever done. Well, we definitely, definitely appreciate that, man. Sentiment is is returned for sure um so eagle ball and i'm guessing that's a, a just a twitter handle i don't know who that is but uh they ask how cool is it to see your brother and former teammate face off in the bigs i really want to know what former teammate and he's talking about because i've actually i say that because i've gotten i've been so privileged to be around guys that have made it, and, uh, you know, um, that there's actually there's a legitimate list. And as a matter of fact, like a kid I was playing with in Wisconsin Rapids right before I showed up at Southern Miss, Ernie Clement, played with Nick at Double AA, A, Triple A, and in the Bigs. And believe it or not, I go to see them a couple of years ago in uh, Tampa Bay. I walk behind home plate and they're hitting uh, batting practice. And I didn't call his name or anything like Ernie just turned around and he saw me and just started laughing. And, um, you know, 
seeing those guys up there to that level, I wish I could tell every single one of them just how proud of them that I am. And just, you know, just to be able to say, yeah, man, I, I stood shoulder to shoulder with that guy. That guy was a teammate. And um, I'm proud as can be of every single one of them. And then when Nick's got to face one of them, it's just like, I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, Nick's pretty darn good, you know, but he can give up a dinger just like anybody else. And a lot of the guys that I knew could hit dingers just like anybody else. So it's kind of like you want to watch it with one eye shut, you know, one eye open kind of thing. It's definitely a crazy experience, you know, because then when one of them gets a hit off of Nick or something like that, you just kind of kind of laugh and be like, oh, one of my buddies got you. And then, um, you know, if Nick strikes one of them out or something like that, it's like, damn, I just, I just got struck out by Sandy's little brother, you know. So it's a, it's always fun to to see. It, it's kind of nerve wracking. Every pitch Nick throws is nerve wracking to me, but at the same time, it's a really cool experience, and um, I definitely appreciate being able to say that I have that experience. Were you able to make it to like Nick's debut? Oh, absolutely. I would How have cool was I that? would have crawled there. Uh all right, so since you know, I, I got a couple stories, you know, um, as you guys may <laughs> be able to tell. Um we were in the first round of the playoffs at Glen Academy in our second year. In our first year, we got cut off by COVID, but in the second year, we uh were playing Grovetown from Augusta. They come down to St. Simons to play. And one of their assistants is Rodney Holder, who was my freshman coach. When I made the varsity team at Greenbrier High School as a freshman, he was our head coach. And believe it or not, my dad played for his dad at Evans High School. So we're sitting there, and the news had come out. Nick is making his debut in Chicago. And uh, I'm talking to him before the game. And right before I walked off, I actually said, Coach, you know, if we don't sweep y'all, I'm not going to make it to Chicago. Because if we would have split, I would have had to play the next day, and I wouldn't have been able to make it up there. He just kind of looked at me like, hmm. And uh, we beat the brakes off of him in game one, and game two was way too competitive. It was way too close. And I just look at our guys and said, guys – I have somewhere to be this weekend. And I was coaching third <laughs> base. And I kid you not, and like, I was wheeling everybody. I was wheeling <laughs> everybody. We got a score because I got somewhere to be. And, yeah, they were excited that we won the playoff series and we swept them in the first round. But we had dudes jumping up and down like, Sandy's going to Chicago. Um, so, yeah, made it up there for that. And, and it – uh I've never been more proud of anything in my entire life. It was 40 degrees and the wind was blowing 40 miles an hour in Windy City. <laughs> All right. And, and uh, none of us packed enough clothes. It was so cold. And this, we still had to wear masks into the ballpark. And I'm really glad because I would have been embarrassed. My teeth were clattering together so uncontrollably. I thought <laughs> I had my tongue off. And uh, I see people start peeling out of the dugout. So they have some stuff roped off. And I walk down behind the dugout. And security comes down with two guys. 
and said, sir, we're not letting anybody stand down here. If you ain't got seats, you know, don't hound the players and stuff like that. I said, with all due respect, fellas, my younger brother is about to walk out of that dugout and onto that field for the first time. It's going to take a lot more than you two guys to move me. I'm going to stand <laughs> here until he comes out. And, and uh, they go, your, your younger brother's making his debut? I said, yes, sir. And he goes, dude, you stand here all you want. You stand here all night if yeah. you want to. And uh, they actually, they were as cool as can be. Southside is way cooler than Wrigley Field. I'll take that to the grave. All right. Southside's good. Whoa, whoa. whoa. This South, interview is South, over. Southside's good. Turn it all. They actually had people that were trying to do what I was doing. And they actually kept some dudes off of me. Like, hey, no, he's here to see his brother. He's making his debut. And, like, I turn around. Of course, Nick was, you know. Nick's cool. Nick's Mr. Cool, man. He yeah. just kind of turned around, nodded his head, like, hey, what's up? Walked off. I was like, all right, that's all I get. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, when I turned around, I walked off. A bunch of people were like, hey, man, congratulations to you and your family. But those security guards, they let me stay there. And uh, yeah. we knew he we wasn't pitching on Friday night because Bieber was throwing. And he actually threw really good that night. I think he threw eight and something like that. And, uh, but on Saturday – me, we woke up in the hotel. My dad just kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, "It's going to happen today." I said, "You're right. Nick is You're Nick right. is pitching today." And um, wildest day of my life, man. Wildest day of my That's life. That's awesome. And you know, Wrigley is a friendly confines. Those security guards wouldn't even come down there to you over there, Wrigley. So I'm just, I'm just. Chuck's saying. a Cubs fan, man. I'm a Cubby fan, man. Dude, I've I've got some stories that we're not gonna put on air because I don't want to like juju to go Nick's way. You'll have to you'll have to text them to me. Yeah. Okay, but like, nah, Southside's where it's at. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Bryant Wallace asked a couple questions here. Um, we'll start with this first one, and I'll tell you what he sent in two posts, so I'm gonna take one. Chuck will ask the next listener question. I'm going to ask another one for Bryant. So I'm going to treat it like two different people sent it in. So we got Bryant Wallace sent in. Walk us through the final play in the championship game against Rice. Um, And then he said, also, what was the best thing about playing that season with your little brother? So I guess let's start with the play. All right. Well, the play – was no different than any other time Nick took the mound. I was I was never I can honestly say I've never been nervous on a baseball field as a player. Right up until number five came out of the bullpen and I see him trot out onto the field and for the first time I'm standing behind him. Now, you know, I don't have a wife, I don't have a girlfriend, I ain't got no kid, but I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like to have a kid. And live and die on literally every pitch that he throws. So it's like whatever my Madden ratings were in the outfield, they went up several notches when Nick was on the mound. And it's like I'd never wanted to catch a ball more in my entire life. I never wanted to make a good throw more in my entire life. And that was with every pitch that Nick threw. But in that on that particular play right there, uh, with it being Rice and knowing the magnitude of the moment, uh, we actually had a defensive substitution in left field, J.C. Keys, who actually, you know, dude could really go get it. And All right, as a defensive sub, that dude could make some plays. I right, actually made a game-saving catch for us um, twice that year. 
in left field. And as soon I was slightly shaded to left center field. Um, but as soon as the ball was hit, I had, I've never run as fast to a ball like that in my entire life. And not only that, as soon as it was hit, I started yelling at keys. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because it's like, if the dude is out, if the dude is safe and we lose or we tie, whatever it is, like, there's no way I'm going to let that dude get hit off my brother and I'm not going to touch this ball. So I like if I would have had to sacrifice a year off of my life to get there faster, I would have just like take it. All right. So I started hollering immediately and it really just I remember what um, Gerard Dyson told us before the year, um, you know, that fourth outfielder with the Kansas City Royals on their World Series team. He's just like, man, get to the ball as fast as you possibly can hit the cutoff man in the face. Your job's done. And uh, I got there, backhanded it like a shortstop. I just turned it loose. I knew it was good enough to hit Dawson in the face. And uh, I really didn't freak out over the two relays because I just started watching the runner. And I had an idea of where the ball was at that time. And I was already smiling. I was like, we're going to nail him. And then, like, Nick threw the ball to Tim but it didn't bother, like, nothing went off in my head. There was no alarm whatsoever. I was like, we do this, like, just like Coach Barry said, we do this all the time. This is catch and throw. This is ABC baseball. We can do ABC baseball. And that's all the play was. Hit the next guy in the face. Uh, what a good throw. And I saw the dude going around. I followed him all the way in. Next thing you know, Chuck's about to catch the ball, and boom, see you later. You know, but I didn't freak out <coughs> about the, the relay. I freaked out as soon as the dude hit the ball and I just took off running like a bat out of hell and yelling at uh, keys that I was going to pick it up. And after that, just follow the runner. I knew he was banged. I knew it was over. And uh, For what it really, was worth, we were freaking out, too, when the ball was hit. Well, yeah, we, we celebrated by jumping the fence into the right field roost. You guys are still freaking out. and we start <laughs> yeah. freaking out with y'all again. All For right. sure. Another really um, great moment right there. But, yeah, so that really that really was an extension off of what it meant and what it felt like to play with Nick. And uh, we've never really talked about it. But I think that's the first time and place that we became brothers. Because we were always like, you know, that four and a half years apart. Um, Nick was always like the bat boy on my travel team. And then when it came time for him to start playing ball, he was doing his thing. And um, me and Nick growing up were very, very, very different. We couldn't be more different. I I am 100% my father's son, you know. Uh, me and Coach John are a lot alike, and Nick's kind of laid back, easy going, go with the flow. Um, he's very smart, and um, but he doesn't say a whole lot. And, and um, then when he gets onto the field, the dude's a, a different guy. The guy is the single most hyper competitive person on the field I've mm-hmm. ever been around, and. Um, 
it was on when I moved in. When I moved in, I'd never been to Hattiesburg. So the first time I've been to Pete Taylor Park is when we just got done unloading stuff from a truck in my apartment and we rode by the field and uh, Coach Fed and Coach Kaye were there. And we walk in the locker room and we notice that our lockers are right next to each other. And um, Coach Kaye and Fed are smiling and they're like, yeah, man, this is this is great. We got y'all's lockers right next to each other. And me and Nick are just standing next to each other, silent, and lips pressed, not looking at each other, just looking straight ahead. And Fed and uh, Kaye had these big cheese eating grins on. They're like, oh, my God, they're going to kill each other. They're going to kill each other. This is what, – what did we do? Um, <laughs> And it was such a great mix of guys that we can talk about that uh, in just a minute. But I actually spent as much time with the 18-year-olds in the dorms. Yeah. Hanging out. Yeah. Playing Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation, you know. And uh, that that year is really when uh, me and Nick became brothers. And, That's uh, awesome. It kind of reflected that for me on the field because they're – there's nothing I wouldn't do to make a play, but when Nick would throw the ball and some dude would hit it, and I was just like, "No, oh my god, I, I have to catch that <laughs> ball." Yeah. How did your uh, How did your parents react to that play? Did they Did they share anything? Man, um, it's it's hard. It's hard to say because it happened so fast. Yeah. Um, also, when Nick pitched my mom and dad wouldn't sit together okay. <laughs> um simply because my dad wouldn't sit down he actually right, yeah. would be up in the camera well above at the top of the third base <laughs> dugout yeah see where that the little boxes where they put the camera he'd be standing right. next to the camera well and stuff like that <clears throat> and um i don't know just afterwards we yeah we didn't when everybody's celebrating and we're all talking and stuff, I don't even remember dad saying anything. He just had the okay. biggest smile in the world on his face. Yeah. This this is a real thing. This is not yeah. a dream. We're not about to wake up. This is reality. And we as a family, we get we just got to live this life. So yeah. We still hadn't necessarily talked about that moment a lot, but we're like, hell yeah, it happened. <laughs> yeah. I, some moments don't have words, man. Some moments don't have words. I think that's one of them. Well, uh, I guess my next question, let me find my list here. All right, this is going to be a, a, an interesting one. So I hope your your creative brain is working. All right, I'm fired uh, up. I'm ready. <laughs> Mr. Shane Johnson on uh tweeted us and said bear or gorilla in a fight southeastern asia is the setting who wins okay i'm just gonna throw this out there i know this for some of you this might be off the wall for others out there this is a hot topic right here (laughs) now location southeast asia doesn't matter all right jay stanley (laughs) has taken the gorilla 10 times out of 10 Ten times out of ten, fellas. Who who wants to know why? I want to know why. Okay. You guys seen the movie Godzilla versus King Kong? 
We we have. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the movie Godzilla versus King Kong, I kid you not, they created and were responsible for more destruction than half of the Transformer movies combined. Right. <laughs> Who walked away from that fight? King Kong. King Kong. King Kong. That's right. King Kong. Last time I checked, Shane, I don't see anybody <laughs> making any movies about King Kong versus Smokey the Bear. There's <laughs> cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Dude, Smokey the Bear could do all the cocaine he wants. <laughs> all right? I don't care. They ain't making movies about the bear taking on Godzilla. All right? Uh, on the other hand... King Kong wrecked Godzilla so bad. Yeah, I know they had to team up at the end. If you hadn't seen the movie, sorry I spoiled it for you. All right. King Kong kicks so much butt in that movie that they're going to have to make another one. There you are. All right. Sorry, Cocaine Bear. All right. Not feeling it. And if anybody wants to debate me on that, whenever they come out with the movie Godzilla versus Bear. We didn't even establish that the bear did cocaine. All right. Godzilla versus Smokey the Bear. I promise you. I promise you. Everybody's putting their money on Godzilla. Smokey the Bear, unless we're putting out a forest fire. All right. Cool. Stop, drop, and roll. Um, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it happening. Salen's going with the gorilla 10 times out of 10. <laughs> Ten out of ten. Okay, that's awesome. That is great. Yeah, the bear lives in the woods, man. The woods. <laughs> the gorilla lives in the jungle. Not even the. It's like playing in the SEC versus I don't know. Pack ten. Pack ten. <laughs> Pack twelve. Pack two. Don't even have a conference anymore. Whatever it is, probably half of the teams in that false league are bears for mascots. <laughs> there you go Shane you have your answer and you have sound reasoning to back it up so I, I think it's go. pretty sound logic fellas I mean somebody I, I agree with it I mean you presented it so strongly I know everybody's I don't think got some cheeks in the armor but I don't see them <laughs> that's right alright well I'm going to go back to Bryant Wallace here he asked another question here he said, uh, are there any challenges? I'm actually interested in this one, too. This is this is really interesting here. Are there any challenges in coaching softball versus baseball? What's tougher to hit, elite pitching in baseball or elite pitching in softball? Good question. Um, okay, so when it comes to coaching baseball hitters, obviously – I dug in the box and I did that. When it comes to hitting a fast pitch softball, I can't necessarily speak to that and uh, the difficulty. All I can say is 43 feet is borderline claustrophobic. It, it really is. All right. And, um, I don't know which one's harder. At the end of the day, elite pitching on either end is darn near unhittable. Okay. I uh, I actually – people ask me what it's like to watch Nick play Major League Baseball. And when you watch Major League Baseball on an every-night basis, 
This is my takeaway from it. I think the pitching is so good. I don't know how anybody gets a hit. And at the exact same time, the hitters are so good. I don't know how any pitcher gets any hitter out ever. That's how good it is. And when you're sitting there really on the field at this level and granted, and I'm not even seeing SEC, ACC arms. All right. We have a very good conference in softball. And looking at it on field level, 43 feet gets on you fast, like really fast. And it's actually really interesting parallel. Um, I can't wait to see what kind of season she has. We have a freshman named Ansley Pettit. and um, She wears 52, which is what Nick's wearing in the big leagues. And she is so awkward. With her delivery, she does a lot of unorthodox things, and it is so uncomfortable to watch because I know that was the biggest thing with Nick. Nick makes people uncomfortable because it's kind of the the wind-up and the delivery is funky. And so we have this girl that's going to wear 52, and she's got good stuff. She is a hyper-competitor, a lot like Nick. Talk, she might be the most interesting conversation on our team because there is no telling what you're going to get. Our first meeting, we talked about comic books, okay? Um, and standing behind a net, just watching our live at-bats, I don't know that I want to dig in on that. No. I really I really don't know that I want to dig in on that. No. It gets on you fast. Um, I'm not a mathematician, but somebody broke it down. The reaction time is actually a, a pretty significant less um, in women's softball and fast pitch. So um, like we were talking about before we started recording, man, grip it and rip it and swing hard in case you hit it. And, uh, you know, um, it, it can be a lot. I can't imagine. And I'm going to see it at some point this season. Um, an, the real upper level elite arms, what that looks like. Because I went recruiting earlier this fall, and I saw a girl throwing 72 miles an hour in the dark with the lights on, and I thought there were heat-seeking missiles coming out of her hand. And um, it's it, it gets on you. So um, I don't know if either one is harder. They both have um, their distinguish, distinguishabilities. Um, they don't have to hit back foot sliders at 80 miles an hour, like uh, almost everybody on Rice's pitching staff had. Um, but at the same time, they don't have to hit a rise ball that starts stomach high, and you think, oh, I'm going to hit this across the street, and it ends up under your face. Um, so I don't know that either one is harder. I just know that both of them are really, really ridiculously hard to hit. At the elite level. At the elite level. Absolutely, man. Lane, Lane can uh, tear up a, a wicked 12-foot arch, man. That 12-foot comes in, Lane to pop it. Yeah, man. I play slow pitch. If it gets yep. past about 20 miles an hour, uh, yep. Jake, it's on me in a hurry. 
Yeah. Right, man. Past well, about 20 or 30, it's on me quick. Yeah. Yeah, but if that dude hums that thing in there at a solid like 17, 18, Lane's taking yeah. it for a ride. Oh, oh it. taking it for a I'm ride. On it. 100% uh, for sure. No, it's this laced. <laughs> don't don't come right. in don't come in here with a sixteen mile an hour Utu on the lane train. <laughs> That's the right. Lane train. That's right. You better at least have twenty to thirty. Better recognize. <laughs> All right, uh, Mick Nullins. I'm thinking this is a, a Twitter parody account as well. Uh, you think so, I, and, Chuck? I think so. And look, we want to give a, a quick shout out to these two. We did not ask these questions, so uh, don't get mad at us, especially one of them, because I don't, I don't want to get beat up by him. But uh, who would win in a wrestling match oiled up? Marchant Kenny or Official Sippy? Okay. I cannot speak to Official Sippy. Never met the guy. Foy met Marchant once. Dude. Southern Miss versus all y'all? I'm 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 taking Marchant. One hundred percent. Have you seen that dude's calves? Yeah. That dude is an yeah. animal. I'm talking about like, They're very defined. You know you know, I don't know the Mount Rushmore of cowboy collars. Marchant's gotta be in top five at least. <laughs> he's he's in there. I mean he's for in sure. There. Dude is an animal. Not was an animal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good player and stuff. No, he still is an animal. The guy looked <laughs> right. He could have played middle linebacker for the Eags this year. <laughs> this uh, year. Right. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, official sit and you're just gonna have you're gonna have to take some notes from Cocaine Bear. All right. Because, uh, I've only met the dude one time. I met him at the Super uh, when I went and a couple of years ago when we played Ole Miss. We're, uh, we're not going to talk about it. And, um, but I, I just shook his hand. I was like, dude, thank you for – I follow your stuff. You're awesome. Thank you for loving Southern Miss. I think you're the best. And I had to introduce myself. He didn't, I don't know that he knew who I was. Um, he was like, yeah, man, thanks. And he had a ton of energy. And I was just like, if there is any Ole Miss fans that are going to run their mouths at this series right here, don't run your mouth to that guy. Yeah. Between him yeah. and Big John with Rally Bike. Yeah. All right. And you don't, now, they now, don't want to talk about it. Big John and the Rally Bike. All right, that we can debate that, but Marshant and Marshant, dude, I'm going with you, man. That's my guy. I got you. Well, then, uh, my next question I wanted to ask you. Uh, obviously, you said earlier you got some stories. Can you tell us a good, crazy, funny story you got about about your time playing baseball at Southern Mass? Right, I get. I, I don't know if I can get too crazy because I don't think we were that crazy as a team. But I'll give you one from the fall, and I'll give you one from the spring. All right, fall, you know, all I heard about was, you know, our catcher is an absolute man back there. And anybody that's listening to this knows who I'm talking about. Chucky! All right, and Chucky, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player with more love all right, and then Chucky. The, the the kids love Chucky. All the fans love him. And I remember one time he go, man, Chucky loved the kids. And I just thought it was great. Awesome teammate. Well, I heard, you know, dude's got a bazooka behind home plate. 
And I was not a blazing fast guy by any means whatsoever. But at Georgia College, my last year, I think I was like 12 of 13 stolen bases. And the time I got thrown out, dude missed the call. I let him know he missed the call on the way out. It wasn't my finest moment, but I was safe. All right, should have been 13 for 13. And so I said, all right, first time I get on in the fall, I'm going to try Chucky. All right, so I get a hit. I'm over at first base. Chucky's catching. And uh, I take off. I thought I picked a good pitch, picked pick the breaking ball. All right, picked my spot. And, and uh, I didn't peek in. I was just like, I need every single ounce of this if I'm going to be safe. And I get about halfway to second base, and I never really heard well with the helmet on. I was basically deaf. You could be screaming at me. I couldn't hear anything. But on this particular day, I kid you not, and I heard Chucky start laughing. I heard <laughs> Chucky start laughing. And the next sound I heard, I actually heard the ball on its way to second base, hit me, pow, smoked me. And I just was like, I don't even need to look at him on my way off the field because this dude just laughed at me when I tried to steal second <laughs> base on him. And I really do. It's one of the few things I've ever heard with a helmet on. And the dude straight up, I'm halfway to second base. I'm like, dude, I got to jump, pick the breaking ball. I just hear Chucky laughing behind point point. See ya. Never tried it again. <laughs> All right, never tried it again. If our bullpen catcher gets an inning or whatever, I'll try stealing that guy. Never on Chucky. Yeah. All right. And then in the spring, um, I tell this story all the time because I was never like a talker on the field. I just – me and Nick, we just – we weren't really brought up that way. And then I always knew like it'll come back to bite you. Well, nobody taught more trash than Tim Lynch. All right. And Tim, Lynch, I don't believe that at all, man. Not that at is all. Shocking. I know. For everybody <laughs> listening at home, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, Tim Lynch. There's no way. All right, nobody taught more trash than Tim Lynch, and he hit behind me in the lineup in the three hole, and he's one of the best players I ever played with. The guy would just smash a pull side double with two strikes, and then at first base. I know he wasn't exactly a, a physical specimen, but if you threw it to that side of the field, Tim was going to catch it. And, uh, all right. And you, you throw it and 90 miles an hour on three hops, and Tim was going to catch it and no matter what. And, and uh, I kid you not, and he was telling me about UTSA. UTSA kind of was getting chirpy the year before that and stuff. So we beat him on Friday. We kind of boat raced him on Saturday. And um, I wasn't used to having a conference run rule on travel days. On Sunday, there was a run rule. And uh, we go out, we take the field. And uh, I'm throwing in the outfield, warming up with Bordeaux. And I notice. Tim is talking into their dugout. I'm like, what? what is Tim saying? And he just, like, doesn't stop. Like, he throws the ball to the shortstop, turns around, he's talking, and, like, three seconds later, Dawson's ready to throw it. He just snaps his head around, catches it, throws it to the next infielder at third base. He's talking, talking, talking. I was like, dude, Tim, what, what were you saying? He's like, dude, we done smoked these clowns twice. There's a run rule on Sunday. We got beers to drink. 
All right? We got stuff to do. So I let them know we're going to run rule them, whether they like it or not. Because <laughs> I've got plans. All right? And sure enough, I think we won like 13 to 2. We absolutely smashed them. And in between ends, Tim's just like, I- I'm telling you guys, just just take it. All right? Just take your whooping. And the whole time, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Tim was just <laughs> letting them have it. And it was awesome because – Tim was good enough to back it up. And, um, but yeah, that day, I think he did it another time and we smoked somebody on a Sunday, something like that. But I'll never forget that one time. He just rolled out there and he'd let those dudes know how it was going to be. And that's exact. It was like Vicky Valancourt from the Waterboy. That ain't no guess. That's the way it's going to be. And uh, those dudes couldn't do anything about it. Tim was like, I told y'all. I told y'all. Uh, it was great. Nah. That was the best Waterboy reference I've ever heard, I think. It's a good movie. Adam Sandler did was good a, on that one. They did do good. All right, man. Well, parallel to that, uh, who did you hate playing the most, and who did you love playing the most? Okay, so this is a great question. All right. And I didn't hate playing anybody. Simply because, like I alluded to earlier, that was my one shot at all that, at that, at that level. So you see people going to the other dugout. And I, I grew up in a home full of Alabama football fans. We got to play Auburn. We got to play Alabama. We got to play Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I didn't hate playing against anybody because I was just thrilled that I wasn't watching it on TV. I was on TV playing those dudes. So it's just like, you know, I know we had dudes from all over on our roster. It's like, yeah, I want to whoop these dudes, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I, I'm in hog heaven right now, man, because these are the teams I grew up watching. And even I know it's a, a a big rivalry, a heated rivalry. I love it with Lafayette. I know that they don't like being called Lafayette, ULL. I'm not calling that anyway. Um, had nothing res- but respect for the program and like what Coach Robichaux and Coach Deggs did there. I remember them being the number one team in the country heading into regionals and hosting a regional as number one. I got to play – um, in Alaska with a catcher that played for them was actually their starting catcher when we played um, in Hattiesburg that year in the midweek. And it's just like, how can I hate any of these teams? Because I'm not watching them on TV, man. I'm on the field playing against them. It was the coolest thing in the world for me. Now, the one team that I did want to beat the breaks off more than anybody was Alabama. It was Alabama. Uh Long story long, uh, the guy, one of the guy, the guy that I actually worked for, uh, was our head coach at George College. When I went back, uh, we had a coaching change. When I went back to coach, I was with a new staff. That guy was at Georgia for 13 years and was actually the third base coach on the runner up team that lost to Fresno State. And, um, he tried to help Nick out a lot. He helped get me to Southern Miss. And I remember him telling me the story. Uh, Georgia Dugout Club Top 100. He took all the newspaper articles and he talked to the recruiting coordinator at Alabama. And he said, if you offer this kid right here, 
He, and he told him how good he thought Nick was and stuff like that. He goes, if you offer, if you talk to him, you can offer him 25% on the phone and he'll commit without even coming to a visit. And the dude looked at him and said, we got a guy like that. And Jason Eller said, no, you don't. And so right then I was like, if we get to play Alabama, we're going to beat the brakes off of them. And sure enough, we won nine to two. We probably left on as many guys in scoring position as we scored. And it's the only college game I ever played that went four for four. There you go. Best regular season win. That's a good one. Ever. Yeah. All right. Um, and then when it comes to who did I love to play against, it was Rice. It was Rice. It's a simply because. It's a big one. Um, it is the single best series I've ever been a part of in my life. The home series that we played, the total score of the series, we won two games to one. We won on a walk-off Pete Taylor Magic on Sunday, and the score to the series was seven to six. It was as yeah. f- fine a series as you could imagine. And I told Munz this in an interview. Um, I grew up – and I fell in love with Texas baseball and Augie Garrido because it was the only team on that you could watch on TV that didn't play in the SEC. And so um, after they won the national championship, I think it was in 2005, I was all jacked up about it. Well, our family vacation, the next year, we decided we're going to go to Omaha. And Texas had a loaded team. And I'm like, we're, we're going to go see Texas Longhorns in Omaha. I Pretty much die and go to heaven after that. And, um, sure enough, Texas got upset, and and that's the year Oregon State won. That's a whole nother story because Nick picked them to win the World Series as a kid. But uh, <laughs> I'll never forget Houston Streets last year there. Rice beat Texas to go to the National Championship Series, and they beat Stanford, and they won the National Championship. And I was so mad that Texas didn't win. I was just like, I'll hate Rice forever. If I ever get to play them, I'm like, I'm going to let it eat against Rice. And um, the fact that we played that series that we did got to stay on the same field as Wayne Graham, coaching legend. And to see that and uh, – and, um, you know, not to get all too trippy on you guys, but people talk about like an aura, right? When that guy got up and he walked out of the dugout and he took forever, I, it didn't matter how long he he took to go out of the dugout. And just like, dude, Wayne Graham's walking on the same field as me. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and then well, he didn't care what you thought anyway, dude. He, he certainly didn't get in a hurry. That guy, <laughs> that guy was so awesome. Just to watch him. I, I mean, I'd be in the dugout between at bats just watching Wayne Graham. Not paying yeah. attention to the game. I hate to admit that, but no. um and then their number one, John DePlanier, single best pitcher I ever faced. Um, Otto freak of a reliever. And it's like Fox, their Saturday guy, absolute stud. It just it was an amazing series. And so if I could go play anybody ever again, I'd play the Rice Owls because that was that was a special, special series. Oh, a special program with a special leader. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right. I think I'm going to fire off a few quick hitters to you right here. A few fun, quick hitter questions. Bang, bang. A little different here. Just get a few quick answers here. Do you remember your walk-up song? What was it? Hell yeah. Shoot the Thrill, ACDC, man. Oh, that's solid. That's it was solid. A solid. Just got you. Got to get the people going, and it was a great year for walkout songs too, man. Because uh, we had some good ones in that lineup, and it was a good oh, mix. Yeah. And uh, that one never did an ACDC song in all my years. I was like, Nah, we're gonna let this one ride. That's a good one. All right. If you had to play any other position other than center field, what would it have been? Oh, dude, I've been a Friday night starter. There you go. Hell yeah, man. Nice, huh? the glory. I would have been – I would have tried to be Nick Sandler or Tanner Hall. There you or go. Or even that, Cord Cockrell. That dude was one of the coolest yeah. dudes I ever met in my entire life. Had long oh, hair yeah. ever. Probably didn't throw a fastball over 86 all year. And it's just like, no, I'm throwing seven tonight, boys, and we're going to win. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous what he could do. Uh, other sport. What other sport would you play? All right, call me crazy, boys. Hockey. Hockey. Hockey, dude. Bro. Hockey is such a sick game, man. It polices <laughs> itself. There's honor in it, and you don't let nobody dish your guys. Um, and, yeah, I'm on a little bit of a kick right now with the show Shorzy. All right? And oh, yeah. Shorzy's where it's at. All right, but if I could play any other sport other than baseball, put me on skates, bro. It's hockey. All right, what superstition did you have? Um, I was a big process guy, big process guy. I didn't call it superstition, but every single Friday night and when I was at Southern Miss, and I do mean every single Friday night, I wore the same T-shirt on the way to the ballpark or at the hotel, whatever it was. Um, I wore a Conor McGregor shirt and with him right after he knocked out Jose Aldo. And the quote on it was, uh, lifetime's worth of work and 13 seconds to destiny. And uh, I wore it. and you know, I have it in a drawer somewhere. But that thing I was about was to ask faded. if you still had it. Oh, it's it's out there somewhere, but I can't wear it anymore. It is so faded. But um, yeah, I had to wear it every single Friday night, and and uh, I got real superstitious in Knicks last year, and that's the shirt that I'm wearing right here. The major there league logo. Um, I bought it, and and Nick just took off, started doing his thing. So every time I showed up to the ballpark at uh. At Georgia College on Friday, I was wearing this T-shirt, and, and sure enough, Nick let it eat. And it's funny because who was the team in Major League? Cleveland Indians. Who did Nick the get? Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians. Um, so, you know, I don't know. The universe has a funny way of ex- exposing itself to a young man. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you ever hear former coaches' words coming out of your mouth? Like, do you ever catch yourself saying something and you're like, dang, that's exactly what Barry used to tell me or Kaye used to tell me. Like, is is there ever – did you steal anything from those guys? Who in their right mind wouldn't? That's my, <laughs> yeah. my only answer to that. I've been blessed to be around some really great baseball men 
and leaders and people that have made an impact on me. So it's not like I catch myself like, dang, that's what so-and-so said or no, I do it intentionally because it made that much of an impact on me. I still remember the day when Coach Barry first said everything matters. Yeah. And he just, it was so funny because he was talking about little things. He's like, little things, big things, medium things, they all matter, man. Everything matters. <laughs> and we got real quiet and I just kind of looked at him and he had this look on his face like, I think I got something there. We yeah. didn't say anything about it, but he just kind of looked at me like, yeah, that one was kind of good. And next thing you that know, everything matters and everything. <laughs> and um, every team that I've ever coached and every player, when you go to have those conversations, everything matters. Just it sticks with me because it's true. It's the God oh, yeah. honest truth. And I always tell the story about the first day Coach Barry ever said it. And, there you go. Paying homage, uh, man. Paying homage. Who was your – all right, so obviously it's your brother now, but who was your favorite major leaguer to watch growing up? I can honestly say I didn't have one. That's also I a lie. Gotcha. I just told a bold-faced lie right there. <laughs> uh, and here's why I just lied to our listeners. Um, I'm, I mean, I grew up – my favorite player was Alex Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, I said that. Okay. A-Rod. A-Rod was my favorite player, okay? And then, you know, A-Rod did his thing, you know, is yeah. what it is. People have their opinions on A-Rod. He has his moments. But um, I wasn't this huge Derek Jeter fan. I was one of those, oh, A-Rod's better than Jeter. And now you look back and you're like, mm. that's one. I kind of wish I could have had that one back just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like saying anybody was better than Michael Jordan. Um, Yeah. No, I guess it was A-Rod. I can honestly say I didn't really gravitate towards one person necessarily. I just watched everybody. If you were good, I was just like, I want to learn from that. I want to look like that one day, run like that, hit like that, whatever. Whoever it was that was good, that was who I liked. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got so Chuck had to step out for a minute. He had something come up. We got Pate on right quick to kind of lead us home here. Pate, was there are there any questions you wanted to ask before uh, we wrap it up with Jake? Uh, no, I, I don't think we. I don't think I have anything. I think this was one heck of an interview. That's for sure. Um, probably one fun, of the funniest man. we've had. Um, yeah. Well, I can uh, tell I got you guys right more. now. I the only way I know what it is that I said is I'm gonna have to listen back to this because it's like Will Ferrell, <laughs> all right, in the scene we were having fun. where he's debating and he just blacks out and just lets it eat. And James Carville's just like, "Yeah, man, that's pretty much perfect." And he goes, "What happened?" I'm yeah, out. what I say. Next thing yeah. you know, he's he's pumping and says, "That's how you do it. That's how you debate." And, uh, yeah, I have no idea what's just got said. Hopefully, I got a job after this gets published. <laughs> Well, uh, I got a couple things I want to end it with here. The first one was um, when I think Jake Sandlin, my mind immediately, I sent this in the message earlier when we were talking, my mind immediately went to how competitive you were. It's like you could tell in interviews and stuff, like you were 
you were con- it, it seemed like you played every game backed into a corner ready to come out swinging and, and you know and I, I just recognized you as this ultra competitive guy how big of an impact did that make on your playing ability how how where did that come from and then to how big of an impact did that make on you I think um and I asked hard because that's a super that's a super personal thing with me. I'm at a chapter in my life where I can really speak on it. And um, as you guys might be able to tell, dude, I'm loud, man. I'm a lot. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that I've been on my best behavior on this interview. But I've never been in a riot, but I think I could start one. Um <laughs> And you can't do that in, in all walks of life. I've always been kind of, you know, kind of. I've always been intense. I've always had a different sense of urgency. And uh, it's just, that's just how I'm wired. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And um, it's not, sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a total curse. And you can't do that everywhere. But when I got to play, that was more of actually who I was. That I could be me on that. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. I've had some incredible teammates along my journey. And I've played on some special teams. And this is in no way disrespect to any of the other teams that I played on. But the team that I was on at Southern Miss was the perfect group of teammates I could ever ask for because they let me be me. And yeah. um, I didn't think there was a sense of urgency like, hey, no, we, we, we need to start winning. We need to really start playing Southern Miss baseball where our fans um, are craving what this program is really about and – we, we need to turn the corner. And so nobody really had any time to, hey, man, why, why, why do you do that? No, they just let me do it. And um, I was so thankful that I was able to just be myself around them. And it, so much so that when I went back to Hattiesburg for that Super Regional, I, I had to go because I saw that was the first time I've been back, period. And uh, other than getting our conference championship rings the fall and fall, that's the first time I've seen those guys. And um, I actually went up to a couple of them and I, I apologized. And I actually said, I wish I could have been more of a bro to you. I wish I could have been a better friend. And they're, they all just kind of em- embraced the moment. It's like, nah, man, like. It's cool, dude. You were who you were. And I was like, well, that's why I love you guys, because I couldn't have asked for a better situation with a better group of guys. And really, they just allowed me to be myself. And uh, the biggest thing with me as a player was I, I never cared how good I was. Like, I suck at taking compliments. I will not know. I'm one of those people. I can. I don't like talking about what I'm good at. And I really don't. And, um, 
and I can pinpoint everything that I, I'm not good at. And if I suck at it, I'll tell you that I suck at it. And so when <laughs> I get compliments, like I'm learning to just say thank you because I, I get kind of hot around the collar. I'm like, I, I, I just don't see it, what you guys see. And um, the single best compliment I ever got from my hitting coach at Georgia College that year in the fall before my All-American season, he said, you want to know what my favorite thing about you is? And I said, I have no idea. And he goes, you have no idea how good you are because the only thing you care about is how much better you want to be. And I just looked at him. I was like, thank you. And we just kept hitting. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. And uh, really, that's it. What a testament to your competitiveness and who you wanted to be. That's awesome. That's, that's, I mean, I appreciate you guys saying that again. I don't see what y'all see. I just see like what I want to be. And I watch these people that I grew up like watching Nick Saban, watching Augie Garrido, somebody like Wayne Graham doing what he did at Rice, and then having the honor and the privilege to play for Scott Berry. And it's just like that is greatness right there. If you, you you go to look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, dude, if you could do a quarter of that with your life, you, you might go down as a legend, you know, because I just think of them in such high regard and I see these legendary people and it's like, why not shoot for that? And it, you know, if you shoot for the stars, you might land on the moon <laughs> kind of deal and it's like I didn't have a choice I didn't have a choice to be that way I was not you know blessed with some unbelievable talent and I had to learn and I had to work at everything and that I'm very thankful my dad was hard on me coach John was tough on me and you know what I wouldn't have it any other way and it's just like, okay, well, that was good today. Yeah. But tomorrow, today will be yesterday. What are you? What, yeah. what have you done for me lately? You know? And um, I just – I didn't have a choice to be that way. That's just kind of how yeah. how I showed up, how I turned out. And, and uh, my biggest coaching thing is that I want all of my players to have more fun than I did. Because if I could do it all over <laughs> again, I would have had more fun. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't blessed enough talent-wise to have fun and be good. I needed to be good to have fun. And I just, you know, I don't want to steal the line from Michael Jordan, but I feel him when he says, I took it personally. That was my life. Yeah. You know, that was my life because that was when I felt comfortable showing people who Jake Sandlin really was, was on a baseball field as a player. So I wasn't going to shortchange anybody of that. And really it wasn't for anybody else other than me. I wasn't going to shortchange myself. That's just really the only way I knew how to do it. And whether it was right, wrong, whether you loved it, whether you hated it and uh, that I was a great teammate and, or didn't, I wasn't everybody's cup of tea, so to speak. That's the only way I knew how to do it. And I just tried to do it as best as I could and do it better tomorrow than I did it yesterday. 
I think I speak for myself and all the other Southern Miss fans and Chuck and Peyton and everybody else when I say we loved watching you do it. Like, it was a blast, and we're grateful you came to Southern Miss. Well, I'm so, I'm, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you, those that I have met and those that I haven't met, and um, the people of Southern Miss is what makes that yeah. place a, a special place. In my opinion, it, it's as special as anywhere on the face of the earth for me. And um, I thank you guys for doing things like this to reach out to our fan base, to help build the brand of what we're all about. And you guys have no idea how important you are. And um, for everybody that's ever put on the black and gold, just know that you got a place in my heart and, and uh, I appreciate and everything that you guys have done for us. People like Mr. Maddox that have yeah. bled for that place. All those people mm-hmm. out in the right field roost, people like my guy Big John with that rally bike, man, people like the, you guys, Chuck, Lane, Pate that are doing stuff like this, man, it's hard to express because I've only been talking to you guys for you know an hour and a half, but y'all have no idea how much y'all mean to me. But if I can put it into words, I can tell you this, uh, we lost – my dad's dad on Black Friday last year. And so we kind of you know, start talking about like what happens if this, what happens if that. And I said, man, and I, I'll, I'll put this out there for the whole universe. If you want to know how much I love Southern Miss, here it is. Whenever I die, whether I'm in a box or whether I'm in an urn or in a Folgers coffee can in a bag of dust. <laughs> Whatever is left of me and whoever is in charge of it, and you drive over and you put it behind center field fence at Pete Taylor Park, and you just leave me there. There you go. That's because that's what it's all about. And, and uh, you guys that do this, just know I got love for every single one of y'all. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate your time tonight. Pete, I think that about wraps up the show. Is there anything you wanted to say to listeners, Pete, to get it wrapped up? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it there. Um, though Chuck did have to go take care of some stuff, uh, we'll definitely uh, we'll wrap this up like we always do. Um, again, thank you, Jake, for coming on today. It's been a real honor to have you, uh, to say the very least. You're the man, Jake. We appreciate Absolutely. you, man. Thank you all so much. Go mm-hmm. Eags to the top, baby. That's right. And we are top. patiently <laughs> waiting for baseball season. So, And we'll end out like we always do. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. Thank you for checking out the Everyday Eagles podcast. The podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Be sure to subscribe and follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and share this podcast with a fellow Golden Eagle. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Eagles Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Everyday underscore Eagles. To learn more about the podcast or to inquire about being a guest on the show, visit our website at edepodcast.com. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We will catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles podcast. And as always, Southern Miss to the top.